Hi, this is Scott Silkey. I'm the worship arts director here at New Life Church. We're excited that you are joining us today. I pray that today's message will encourage and inspire you to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the world around you. Last week of the How to Read the Bible series. Now, by the end of today, you guys will be expert Bible scholars. You will rightly divide the word of truth in... No. These are just some tips and helps to get so that you can read the Bible for all that it is worth. How much is the Bible worth? Whoa, a lot. So I hope you get the gist of this talk today. And the title of today's message is Holy Expectation. Holy Expectation. <clears throat> the big idea is this. We must approach Scripture with a spirit of expectancy and receptivity. We must approach Scripture with a spirit of ex, uh, expectancy and receptivity. What does that even mean? When you read the Bible, you should go to it expecting that God is going to do something, that God is in this practice of reading the Bible. So last week we talked about how in Ephesians chapter 6, the Scriptures are referred to as the sword of of the Spirit, quote-unquote, sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You see how those two things are completely intertwined. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So the Word and the Spirit of God work in tandem when we study God's Word, okay? Though... Uh, through the process and activity of the Spirit, excuse me, presence and activity of the Spirit, Scripture is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, what does that even mean? Well, let's get it. Let's read Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 12, starting in verse 12, it says this, For the Word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed in the eyes of him of whom we must give an account. Wow, that's an epic verse. There's a lot of stuff in there. So we're going to break that verse down a little bit today. But the thing I want you to come off that, that text right away is this. The Word of God, when you read it, is a conduit for the Spirit to mess you up. There's some spiritual surgery going on when we read the Word of God. There is an a intimacy with God that happens Whereas he can see to the very bone and marrow of our being. What does that mean? I mean, bone and marrow just means the deepest part of our being and expose things. That may seem intimidating, but it's not. The Spirit continually works in and through the words of Scripture. This is what the writer, author of Hebrew means when he says that the Bible is active and moving, living, right? Living and active. The Word of God is not just some ancient, dusty text. 
It is an active process by which the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to move in the now. Okay, it's active. The Holy Spirit doesn't simply inspire the writers of the Bible, although we talked about that. He did do that. He inspired the writers of the Bible. But he also continues to inspire the readers of the Bible. Okay, God takes the inspired word of God through the apostles and the uh, the Old Testament uh, prophets and teachers, and he works in our hearts and uses their word, which is his word, to speak to us fresh and anew today. Scripture is not a static and lifeless, but it's forever imbued and permeated with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of life who raised Christ from the dead and now lives within us. Speaking to our spirit and ministering to us through our lives, throughout our lives. Think about this. How long is your life? We don't know, we don't know for that, right? But I mean, even, even if you were to reach the average life expectancy of a human being, in the scope of the world and, and, and time, it's a blip. It's a blip. But it feels so, like, important to us, right? Our lives are vitally important to us. And here I say, your life is important to God, and he wants to take the moments of your life and infuse them with his knowledge through the the word of God and by the Holy Spirit. This is important. It's not just a book for past times. It's a book for your time. Whatever time you got, It's for you. For this reason, we should approach Scripture with expectation. We should come to the Bible expecting God to speak to us. When you open your Bible, I I pray that you will just not like, okay, I got to get from chapter 15 to chapter 17 today because my Bible reading plan says that's what I got to do. And if I budget this much time and I read this many verses per second, that's probably not going to give you what the word really. When you come to the word of God, come with expectation. Ask, start, start with prayer. Whenever you pick up this, this word to read it, start with prayer. Say, God, speak to me today. Even though I'm reading genealogies in Leviticus. Speak to me today. Show me, you know, bear open my soul and, 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 and pour something in, like that two-edged sword. The more we read the Bible, the more we will find out, uh, find that we are not the primary actor, but God is. When we read the Bible, we think we're doing something. Reading the Bible, when we find out that God is the active agent in that practice. As we take action to read Scripture, we may come to find out that God is the active one. We were, when we, we were reading Bible, the Bible, in its mysterious and, and in powerful ways, actually reading us. The Spirit reads us, our hearts and our minds. God is performing biblical surgery on us.
Hebrews 4. Again, back to Hebrews. It says, verse 12, sharper than any double-edged sword. Let's just call that a scalpel today, huh? A scalpel. Penetrating as far as the separation of the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. No creation is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed in the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Nothing is hidden from him. When we read the word, we should expect the depths of our souls to be exposed and the sinful flesh to be flayed open to expose all the sin that is metastasizing in us. Sometimes this process can be painful. When you read the, God, the word of God and he starts, you know, doing sin surgery, starts cutting out all the garbage that's been in our past, in our, in our, in our thought patterns, in our, in our bad theologies. In our, when, this could be painful because we've lived with it for so long. And it's like a piece of us is getting excised. Sometimes it is sweet peace and comfort. Sweet peace and comfort. When the surgeon removes the thing that is trying to kill you in your body, Yes, there might be some pain involved in the recovery and things like that, but sweet peace comes knowing that that thing is no longer in you trying to destroy your existence. It's been surgically excised. When we interact with the text, the Spirit speaks afresh and anew to us. It's a remarkable and miraculous thing. I don't know if you've had this experience before, but I, I've read the Bible, read Scripture for many, many years. And because of that, I will read passages that I've read, I don't want to say hundreds of times, but lots of times. And it's amazing how Scriptures that are so well-worn will speak something fresh and new to us in the moment. Why is that? Because it's not a dead text. It's a living text. It interacts with your circumstances. Why? Because it's not a book. It's Jesus. Jesus has a personality and a knowledge. It says, the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. And then he sent his spirit so that we could live the life that we are always meant to live. And we could know the heart of God. So he looks at, it's not just about the words. The words interact with our life, our circumstance. This is the concept between the, the double-edged sword. When you use a double-edged sword, it cuts this way. And then when it comes back again, it still cuts. So you may read a, read a verse and it may mean cut you this way. Oh, man, God just, you know, hit me with this changed my way I think and then later on you read the same version boom it hits you a completely different way and you're like wow that was blindsiding I didn't expect that that is your 
that's the concept of a double-edged sword. It, it, can, it can hit you from both sides. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. We should never grow weary of reading Scripture. Even texts that we are extremely familiar with. Because through the presence and activity of the Spirit, the Bible has the power to speak a fresh word to us in every season and stage of our lives. That's one of the reasons why I love our church calendar. Like, Pastor, where are you going with this? Every single year, we focus on just a few verses out of the Gospels around Christmas time. And we, we retread that thing every single year. And it's powerful to revisit these, these sacred texts regularly. And I'm telling you what, sometimes I go into pre- prepping for, for Christmas and I get daunted. Like, what? It's baby in a manger. It's God with us. We've, we've said this. It's been said. How do I? Listen, this is ready. How do I? How do I repackage this to make it interesting? Um... The Son of God came to the earth to die for our sins. That's not interesting enough? And I was convicted a couple years ago. Like, you don't have to resell what I've already sold. This is the greatest story ever told. Just tell it. Just tell it. That's why this year we did a series called The Good News. That was the series. It was just about the story of Jesus. There's, there was no fancy Manipulating of those of this text. It's just the word. I mean, we, then we do it at Easter. You know, pastors can sometimes get daunted by having to, you know, it's ridiculous. These words, if you read the word of God, no matter how many times you read it, God will reveal something new to the hearer. Whoa, 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 whoa. If the hearer is expectant. You have to be expectant. I'm going to go to this other church because my pastor's too dry. He, he, he doesn't really, you know, he's not with the times. He just reads, the, he just preaches from the word. What do you want to do, cartwheels? Juggle? I can juggle, but we're not going to do that. Uh, what I would say to that person is, okay. But are you going to that service expectant, prayed up, studied up, so that you are in a, in a position to receive what God is saying? It's just, a, it's God's word. He's just a man. That's God's word. Scripture is not meant to be read superficially. It's meant to be absorbed. That's where we get this scriptural understanding of meditation. I know the concept of meditation sparks images of Eastern mysticism with long-bearded gurus sitting in uncomfortable positions and droning uh, mantras. That's not what scripture talks about as meditation. Let me read a, a verse for you for meditation. Psalm 1 says this. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked. That's kind of what John prayed about today or stands in the pathway of sinners, or sits in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and his meditations 
He meditates on it day and night. That person is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears fruit in its season, and its leaf doesn't wither. Whatever he does is prosperous. Why? What is the one element of that, uh, that, that text that causes all those things to happen? By the rivers of water. The scripture is like the rivers of water that feed that tree that causes it to grow, that causes it to be productive, that causes it to be prosperous. It's because it's connected to the instruction of God. And it's meditating and it's soaking in, it's absorbing that river of water, the water of life, the scriptures, all the time. A synonym for the word meditation is rumination. To ruminate is to chew the cud. Some animals, such as cows, go through the process of rumination, where they will chew their food, swallow it, (coughs) regurgitate it, chew it some more, and then swallow it. Mm. You You want to get all out of your burger? You chew it? No, no, no. No, 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 no. You're not a cow. What does this allow the ruminator to do? Now, the ruminator is a type of animal, cows, goats, ruminator to do. The process allows the cow to absorb the maximum amount of nutrition from their food while also helping them to digest it better. I mean, think about a cow. A cow is producing milk and fat from grass. They said, I was doing some research on rumination. They said there's no way that a cow could get all the nutrients it needs from grass unless it had this, this rumination process where it brought it back up and absorbed as much of the nutrients from that grass as possible before it was expelled. Right? So that's what it says. And it says also, it helps the the cow to digest the prickly parts. You know, the the stuff that's not really, it's it's not really healthy, but it's it's part of the grass. So it it helps them to digest. So that's, and it's, it's an interesting concept. It helps the cow to absorb. It then in turn, this process in turn helps them to produce more milk and gain more weight. Two things you want your cow to do. It literally makes them more productive. To ruminate on their food makes them more productive. That is what meditating on the word of God does for us. It it allows us not to just read it at first glance, but to bring it back to our memory throughout the day, throughout the week, and to mull it over, to ruminate on it, to extract every bit of its nourishing power to us so that we as Christians can be the most productive Christians in the world. That's what meditation does. And I'm not talking about sitting cross-legged in a room with incense. I'm talking about taking the time in your prayer and in, in, in your um, Bible study time to read, yes, but then to actually think about what you're reading. Toss it over in your mind. See what God is trying to say to you through his word. This causes the believer to thrive and be productive. 
And here's the next thing. It also allows us to better digest some of the word that is more difficult to understand. Those prickly parts. They're in there, by the way. I don't know if you have come across them in Scripture, but there are some difficult texts in there that we're going to have to digest and absorb. I think the best way to digest and absorb some of the prickly parts is in community. I think it's awesome when you have somebody that you can uh, talk to about the Scriptures, to have a, a, a friend who is on the same type of journey as you, and you could say, I was reading this the other day. What do you think that means? You know, regurgitate into their mouth. Ew! No. It's like a bird or something. Anyway, uh, give it to them to, to, to mull on a little bit, and then they can, they can give you more information. Than the, the analogy breaks down. All right, here we go. This is what the Word of God is meant to accomplish in us, to make us like a tree. Planted beside the streams that bears its fruit in season, and whose leaf doesn't wither, and who prosper in all that they put their hand to. Positive change and personal growth are only possible if we are open to the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. I want you to flip over to Luke. Is it up right there, Luke chapter? I have put it up there for you. Okay, good. Luke chapter 11. And this verse is very interesting because this verse comes right after a portion where Jesus is trying to t- tell his disciples how to pray. Okay? And it says this, And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, you will find it. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receive. For everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open. It says, when you are reading God's word, when you are praying, ask God to reveal himself to you, to give you the good things. To help you to understand better what he's trying to say to you. He says, I'm not going to withhold my knowledge from you. I'm going to give it to you. Verse 11, the father, if a child asks for fish, does he give him a snake instead? Thank God. That's hopefully no. You guys, anybody who's been here for any time knows my, my deal with snakes. If he asks for an egg, does he give him a scorpion? It's, it's, it's a crazy concept. No, of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? See how that is? If the Holy Spirit is active and moving in your, in your rumination, in what you are asking, God, show me. The Holy Spirit is going to reveal to you the heart of God. But it takes a level of persistence. If you're... If you're um, Biblical practice involves just reading text and then going to work. I would say, I know you have to be at work on time, but don't worry so much about reading so much word. Dig in. Spend some time letting the Holy Spirit reveal to you what he's trying to say. That's why I'm a huge advocate for journaling of some kind. So I'm a huge proponent of using that SOAP um, analogy, the, the acronym, what is it called? What is it? Soap. Thank you. And then journaling. What is God trying to say? Now, if you're not a journaler, just spend time, quote, unquote, meditating on what you've just read. And I think if you ask and you seek and you knock on God's door to say, show me what you want, give me all the good things, 
he will, he is a good father, better than us. And he's going to give you the Holy Spirit. One of the main roles of the Holy Spirit is convict us to judge the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. Again, Hebrews 4. It, the word of God is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You can lie to yourself and you can lie to other people. You can put up a, a facade of holiness to somebody else and you can put a fa- facade of holiness even to yourself. But God will not be fooled. He's going to say, yeah, nice try. Let's do it my way. And then you have to make a choice whether you're going to do it his way or your way. If you are not open to the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, then the Bible will lose its transformative potency in our lives, becoming like just another book. And there are plenty of people who read the Bible just as a historical book, and they get nothing out of it. Nothing out of it. But if you come expectant for something, for a holy moment, you will receive. John 14, 26 But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. That's encouraging. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. The Spirit's presence with us enables us to understand and interpret God's word. Jesus told his disciples that. I mean, that's pretty awesome. John 16, 13. When he, the Spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you into all truth. Again, what is, the, what is the most significant word in that sentence? All. All. How many people want to know all truth? Me. I want to know all truth. Well, you spend time with the word of God. He will, what does it say? The spirit of God has come. He will guide you into that truth. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Keep on asking. And he will give it to you because he's a good Father, he's not going to withhold from you what he wants you to know. That's stupid. He wouldn't do that. And that's what the Spirit came to do. He reveals to our minds the whole counsel of God as it relates to worship, doctrine, and Christian living. He is the ultimate guide going before, leading the way, removing obstructions, opening our understanding, and making all things plain and clear. He leads in the way we should go in all spiritual things. Without such a guide, we would be apt to fall into error. Can anybody say amen to that? I mean, uh, wow. So many times when we, I shouldn't say so many times, every time we go our own way, we fall into error. Romans 8, 26 says this, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we do not know how to pray for what we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with uh, unex- uh, unexpressible groanings. And he who searches our hearts, that's the, that's the holy surgery we're talking about, he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. How many people want the Holy Spirit to intercede for you in complete and utter compliance to the will of God. Again, me. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. People like to stop that verse 
we know that all things work together for good. We, that, that, is a shallow, uh, that is a shallow preaching trick. Don't let somebody stop there. You have, to, you have to be one who loves God, who wants good things from God, who is actively participating with the Holy Spirit to know the heart of God. Those who are called according to his purpose. Verse 31. When then are we to say about, uh, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? This is the God that we interact. This is the Holy Spirit that guides us to all truth. This, without him, there is plenty of reason to be afraid. But with him, who, who's there to fear? We got the God of the universe on our side. We sang a song today called The Way. And uh, the bridge of that song really talks about our devotional life. Now, it may, sound, it may seem like a worship song where we're just in the moment, but I think it really touches on our, on our devotional life. And the bridge goes like this. It's a new horizon, and I'm set on you. A new horizon, what does that mean? That kind of makes me think about morning. Every day is new. It's a new horizon, and I'm set on you. And you meet me here today with mercies that are new. If you take the time to spend uh, moments with God on a, on a daily basis. Now, here's the thing, guys. We don't, we're not good at this. Let me explain. We have left the Jewish understanding of the, the, um, the Jewish, and I should say biblical understanding of the cadence of life. Okay? The cadence of life is this. You walk with God all week. But during that week, you're working and you're doing your thing. And, and, you're, and so it says, it said, uh, when you go about your life, talk about these things as you go along the way, when you rise up. When you, so these things are always supposed to be continually. I would encourage you to spend some time every single day with the word of God. It doesn't have to be a lot. But just spend some time because six days God made the heavens and the earth. He says, you should work for six days. Do your thing. But while you're doing that, keep me in your life. Don't, don't excise me from your life and only have Sundays or the Sabbath day. To, but he did say this. He said, all the time I want you to, to include me in your life, but on those six days I want you to do your thing and, and keep me forefront in your mind. And I would say from a, a 20, uh, first century, I would include some type of Bible reading every day. Some type of, it doesn't have to be long, but some kind of meditation on God. And then he said, but the, sa- the Sabbath day, the seventh day, is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. In it, you've got to break the routine. This day is about rest. This day is about me. So I think of it this way. I have come to, I've come to understand this cadence of the Jewish and biblical cadence of the week. I don't spend hours and hours and hours, I shouldn't say, I just don't spend hours a day studying God's word. Monday through Saturday. I do a short devotional, a little journal, and I get working on my day. But I take a Monday, and I, it's like setting a date. In relationship, what is the most annoying thing about a relationship when that person cannot be without you? 
They're just like, all around, in your business, up in your grill, right? So I would say, but what, when, you, when you are expectant of that, of that date night that's coming up, oh, I can't wait. And I can go through anything this week, and I know I got, I got that coming up. I've found that that has been so healthy for me to, to, to have a Sabbath day where I spend, uh, I'm not going to give you all the time because it varies, but a long time just being in God's presence on that Sabbath once a week, and then throughout the rest of the week, it's, he's in my day all day long, and I spend a little time in the mornings um, uh, focusing on his word, but I have that, today, for me, it's Monday, that Monday coming where I have that date with God, that time with God, and we spend significant amount of time together studying, listening, praying. Sometimes I'll take a walk and just ruminate, <laughs> chew it up, and think about God. But here's the thing. Back to that song. Every day is new, and it's set on you. That's how our every day should be. We should set our heart on God. And you meet me here today with mercies that are new. And this is what happens. All my fears and doubts, well, they should come with me. When you're in God's presence, don't lie to him. Don't hide from him. Let him do holy surgery on your fears and on your doubts. And what does the last word of this uh, last line say? Because they can't stay long. They can't stay long when I'm here with you. Bring them. Because he's going to shine light out and he's going to dispel them. That's who he is. So I encourage you guys to, to, to build a cadence in your life of, of reading the word of God. That's why I love that soap journal thing. Because it's not like you're spending hours studying the word of God. It's just trying to, it's reading a portion of scripture and saying, God, what do you want to speak to me today? How can I, how can I better integrate you into my my, my labor, into my life, into my routine. How can I focus on you? Because things are going to come at me. Um, people are going to tell lies about me. People are going to do things in my life that are going to try to hurt me. How can I keep you at the forefront of my existence? And I do encourage you, one day a week, to set aside some time, like legit time. You, you, you figure that out. I'm not going to tell you how. I'm not, we're not going to get legalistic about this. But some, some, some good time. To just spend in the word, pray beforehand, ask God to go to your time with expectation that he's actually living and moving and wanting to speak to you today. Lord, I thank you for your word in all of its forms. Lord, the word was in the beginning and the word was with God and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And your Holy Spirit was sent to reveal all truth to us. And we have this book that your, your Holy Spirit works through. All these forms, God, are so important. God, I pray right now, Lord, that you would help my brothers and sisters to engage with this living word. Because we know that it's all from you. It's all God breathed and profitable for, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness so that we may be perfectly furnished to all good works all through the week, every day. 
Lord, I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't just read it to check it off a list, but that, Lord, we would sit with it. We would come expecting you to speak. Give us wisdom as we keep knocking, as we keep asking for all the good things that you have for us. And we know you desire to give us the Holy Spirit who will reveal to us all truth. All. So we thank you for this amazing treasure of the Word of God. Help us to use it for all that it's worth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I hope you enjoyed our podcast today. To find out more about New Life Church or to plan a visit, go to our website at discovernewlife.org.